In our reading that we're going to be looking at and studying this morning, uh, at least some thoughts from it, uh, is Exodus chapter 4. Exodus chapter 4. I'm just going to read the first five verses. Moses answered, What if they do not believe me or listen to me and say the Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, Throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground, and it became a snake, and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, Reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out, took hold of a snake, and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. When I was 14 years old, I joined the Norwich Elam Church. I'd been brought up in the Assemblies of God Church, which is a great church, but uh, for reasons I haven't got time to go into now, um, mainly because all my family had moved over, um, I joined the Norwich Elam Church in my early teens. My pastor at that time was a godly man called Leslie Reeves. He's now in heaven with the Lord. Um, one day, Leslie heard that the leader of the male voice choir in Norwich had had a heart attack, a nasty one, which had left him with lots of damage and, and uh, infirmity. Um, the Norwich Male Voice Choir quite often used to come and sing in our church, so um, he knew the leader of the choir quite well. So when he heard that he'd had this nasty heart attack, he decided that he would go and visit him. Now, Leslie Reeves had never learned to drive a car. He didn't ride a bicycle or anything else. He went everywhere throughout the big city of Norwich, either on foot or on a bus. And he'd got quite some way on his journey when he felt a prompting from God. And the prompting was saying to him, go back home, get the little bottle of oil you anoint the sick with, and take that with you. He wrestled with that for a little bit. He got quite a way on his journey. He was going to be quite a haul back home. But the prompting came again, and he decided to go home. And he did. And he got the little bottle of oil. Because James 5.14 says that uh, if there are any sick among you, the elders should anoint them with oil, and the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise them up. So he went and he got that little bottle of oil he'd carry in his pocket when he went visiting. And he went to see the leader of the male voice choir. After talking and sharing with him, he said, can I pray for you? And the man said, yes. So he anointed him with oil and prayed that God would heal him. Now that's all he heard about that from 
the leader of the Melvoice Choir until about five weeks later, I was in the congregation for that service, the Melvoice Choir came to sing in our church again. And there leading it was this man who had had the heart attack. And after they'd done their repertoire, the uh, leader of the Melvoice Choir took the microphone and he said, I've just got something I want to say. He said, five weeks ago, I was lying very ill after a serious heart attack. I had damage to my heart. I had great weakness. He says, and Pastor Leslie Reeves came, anointed me with oil, and prayed for me. And when he left, he said, I was instantly healed, healed completely. And he said, here am I today fit and well from that. Now when the service was over and nearly everyone had gone, uh, Pastor Reeves and I were chatting and he said this to me. He said, I am so glad I went back with that prompting from God and got that little bottle of oil. Of course it was God who healed him, not the little bottle of oil, but that was part of it. Because that's what the scripture tells us to do when we pray for the sick who call for prayer. God asked Moses a question. He said, Moses, what is that in your hand? One commentary uh, says this. This reflects a precious principle regarding how God uses people. God used what Moses had in his hand. Moses' years of tending sheep were not useless. Those years had put into Moses' hand something he could use for God's glory. God didn't use the scepter that was in Moses' royal hand when he lived in Egypt, but he did use the simple shepherd's staff. Moses answered, a rod. It was a simple shepherd's staff. But look what God accomplished with it. Exodus 7.17, he struck the river Nile and it turned into blood. Chapter 8.5, he stretched it over the waters of Egypt and brought a plague of frogs upon the land. Chapter 8, verse 16, he struck the dust of the earth with it and a plague of gnats rose from it. Chapter 9, 23, he stretched it out towards heaven and fire and thunder and hail came down. 10, 13, he waved it in the air and a horde of locusts invaded the land. 14, 16, he stretched it over the Red Sea and the waters passed for Israel to walk across on dry ground. Chapter 17, verse 6, he struck a rock and water poured forth to quench a thirst of God's people. Chapter 17, 9, he held it high in the air and the Israelites prevailed in battle over their enemies. One writer says, once that humble shepherd's staff was given to God, God used it to shake an empire. Wow. That rod would thereafter be called the rod of God. I want to talk about God using what we have. 
this morning. You see, God loves to use people. And he loves to use the small things we have in our hand. Let me give you some scriptural examples. God used what was in Shamgar's hand, an ox gold, to deliver Israel in the book of Judges. God used a small jar of oil to, and we'll come to that and I'll look at that a bit more later, in a widow woman's hand to save her sons from slavery. God used what was in David, the shepherd boy's hand, to kill a giant. God used the jawbone of a donkey in Samson's hands to deliver Israel from the Philistines. God used five loaves and two fishes in the hand of a little boy to feed 5,000. So what do we have in our hand this morning that God can use? Romans 12 gives a list of lots of different gifts and ministries that some people have in their hand. Prophesying, faith, serving, teaching, encouraging, giving, leading, showing mercy. Just some of the things we can have and use for God. I'm sure the elders here would quickly tell you there's lots of things you can do here as well. Teaching in Sunday school, joining the worship team, helping with the PA and audio teams, the setup team, and I'm sure there are many, many others on a Sunday and throughout the week, things that they're crying out for help with. But what's in your hand? What's in your hand? If we want what's in our hand to be used for God, there are two things we must do. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. Now, I, if you know me from all the times I've preached here now, I'm not a long-winded preacher and I'm not going to break that habit today, but I do, what I do want to say I think is important. First of all, whatever gift or ministry you have, you must give it to God. The ground on which Moses was standing had become holy because God was there. God had already said to Moses, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then God said to Moses about the rod, throw it on the ground. It was only a rod, a piece of wood. But when he put it on the ground, that holy ground in front of a holy God, when he picked it up again, it had become the rod of God. In the New Testament, the little boy I mentioned uh, that a moment ago had five loaves and two fishes. But when he placed those into the hands of Jesus, Jesus blessed them and empowered them to feed a multitude. Now, we need the anointed power of God on our lives and on our ministries. Even if our ministries are mundane and simple, we need the anointing of God. And we can carry, this is the exciting thing, because we're Christians, we've given our lives to Jesus Christ, we can carry the anointing of the Holy Spirit in all that we say and do. John, Jesus said in John 15 verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. 
If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. And then he said, apart from me, you can do nothing. But the Apostle Paul said in Philippians chapter 4, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Without him, nothing. With him, all things. The anointing of God is something we need to carry in our lives. And when we do, our lives can touch people in the simplest and yet most profound ways. Let me mention a a little story. It's not to make me look big as I did nothing. Really? But God used my nothing. I mentioned before in a sermon that we had the privilege when we were in the Rhonda Valley pastoring to uh, see both our neighbors on the right and on the left come to know Christ as Savior. On our right was a lady called Val, and on our left, a married couple, Janet and Ron. Now, Janet came to the Lord earlier than Ron, quite a bit earlier, um, and she was attending church on a Sunday, our church, and uh, um, but Ron didn't want to know. He kept his distance from us. He really wasn't into faith or Jesus or anything like that. And we just couldn't get near enough to, to touch him and reach him. Then one day, they had a beautiful red setter dog. And we lived on a main road. Nick got ran, ran over by a car. And uh, it was bleeding profusely. And Ron and Janet didn't have a car. So Ron knocked on our door and he said, look, the vet says three miles up the valley. He said, will you take us in your car, take me and the dog in your car so that uh, we can get it seen to? And he was clearly very anxious. And I looked at my nice light beige um, cloth seats in my nice new car. Well, it we went brand new, but it's pretty new. And I gulped, and I said, yes, okay. <laughs> and uh, we put the dog on the back seat on a blanket and uh, hopped in and drove up there and cut a long story short. The dog was stitched up and, and, and lived and was fine. And uh, I spent an hour with Ron just supporting him, encouraging him, and uh, talking with him. And then I took him home. That's all I did. The next Sunday, he came to church with his wife and gave his heart to Jesus, gave his life to Christ. So what happened there? I don't know quite, but somehow the anointing of God on that little act transformed his life. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. But we have this privilege, see, to carry the anointing of God on our lives. And sometimes the little things we say, the little things we do, the neighbor the other side was uh, going through a real tough time and, and uh, we were in the garden, or rather I was in the garden, doing the garden. She was in her garden hanging out uh, the linen. She was quite anti-church and um, she said to me uh, in a sarcastic way, sang any good hymns lately? And I just looked her in the eye and all I said was, Val, we all need the Lord. And she just crumpled, said, I need the Lord. You know, and, and it's just simple things. 
God wants us as God's people to carry the anointing of God on our lives. So the simple things. I know someone who in a church used to set out the chairs and they'd pray for whoever was going to sit on that chair. Every time he put a chair out, God, will you meet with them this morning? We can carry the anointing on even the simplest thing we do. It doesn't make us great, but it shines a light on the greatness and grace of God that he'll anoint people like you and me for his glory. But whatever ministry we've got, we've got to give to God. We really have. We've got to put it in his hands so that he can use it. Secondly, only two points this morning, an obvious one this, We've got to use our gifts and ministries for God to bless them. It was no use, the rod that Moses carried, if he never used it. Now, if I'd have been Moses, I must be honest, I'd have had moments of doubt. Because it takes a lot for me to kind of get going. Once I get going in faith, I'm okay, but it takes a bit to get going. Now, if I'd have been Moses, I'd have been thinking... What if I hold out my rod over the sea and nothing happens? Would that be you as well? Or what if I strike this rock and no water comes out? I'm going to look a right, Charlie. Wouldn't, wouldn't we be thinking like that? You see, every time he used the rod, it took an act of faith. And if we're going to see God's blessing and anointing on our ministries, we've got to step out in faith and use them. In 2 Kings 4, a woman came to Elisha and told him her husband had died and left her in debt and her sons were going to be taken into slavery. Let me read it to you. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband, is dead and you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside, shut the door, you and your sons, Pour the oil into the jars, as each jar is filled, set it to one side. So she left him, shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there's not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on the, what's left. The woman could have thought, excuse me, allergies, see? Aren't they great? Um, she could have thought, my neighbors will think I'm mad if I borrow all these jars, and they say, what are you going to do with them? Well, I've got this little a bottle of oil. It was anointing oil bottle, incidentally, historians tell us. Just a small little bottle of oil. And I'm going to pour it into all these vessels I'm borrowing. She could have thought, they'll think I'm mad, but she obeyed. And as she poured, the miracle 
happened. As you exercise your gift of ministry, be it small, mundane, be it what, whatever it is, then the miracle can happen and God can use it. She could have thought, what if nothing happens? Doubts and fears. Don't we all have them? Doubts and fears. Will God use me? Will I fail? Then what will other people think? I've heard those things said so many times down 40 years of pastoring. We have to have faith to step out and use our gifts and ministry. So many hold back because of what other people will think or the fear of failure. In 1 Kings 17, Elijah was sent to a widow at Zarephath who was gathering sticks to light a fire because there was a massive drought in the land. And that was going to be a last meal for her and her sons. She just had enough to cook a little cake for her and her sons. She had a, a little tiny bit of olive oil in a jug and a little handful of flour. Elijah told her, go and bake a cake with that, what you have, and then bring it to me, for me first. He was testing her faith. And then he said that the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. Again, the woman stepped out in faith. She cooked a little cake and gave it to Elijah. And the miracle happened. We have to use what we've got. In 1 Samuel 17, David approached Goliath with just five small stones and a sling. He could have been worrying, what if I miss? But he stepped out in faith and won a great victory for Israel that day. But those stones wouldn't have done any good at all if they'd stayed in his little shepherd's bag. What are we holding on to that can be used for God? When we were in uh, the Rhonda, we had a, a, a young midwife in the church. We had quite a number of midwives in the church, but we had a young midwife in the church, and she seemed very quiet and a bit shy, I always thought. And one day, I had a real urge to ask her to preach. And I followed that urge, and I asked her, would you like to preach? To my surprise, she said yes. The next Sunday, she preached in the gospel service a simple gospel sermon she had had on a heart that I didn't know to preach to cut a long story short when Marilyn stepped out in faith and preached that sermon it launched her on a lifelong ministry of evangelism she became a full-time Elam evangelist, traveling the country, but especially missioning throughout Wales, seeing thousands come to Christ and seeing a, a marvelous healing ministry. But she had to step out in faith. She'd never done it before. She didn't know whether she'd fall flat on her face, but she felt the urge to use what she had on her heart for God. And suddenly the miracle happened. Sadly, so many Christians do not use their gifts for God. 
There's a very sad story in Matthew 25, the story of the talents. At least the last part of it's sad. Let me read it to you. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two, and another one, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and, gave, uh, and gained five bags more. So also the one who had two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. The master, when he returned, took a serious view of the one who did nothing with what he had given him. Of course, I recognize there are some who have very valid reasons why they can't exercise a particular ministry or gift that they have. Maybe illness or disability or uh, some family crisis or whatever. I understand that. And the last thing I want to do is put any kind of guilt trip on anyone this morning. But sometimes, let's be honest, we just make excuses. Moses was full of excuses, wasn't he? First one was, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say the Lord didn't appear to you? Moses was saying, I'm going to be a failure. So what if sometimes in ministry we fail? Let's get over it. We all fail at things sometimes. I've failed many times in the things I've done in ministry. And I've had to get up and go again. Let's get over that. That's part of being frail human beings. We all fail sometimes. Elijah failed in his ministry and ran away from God, as did Jonah. But both went on to continue having successful ministries. John Mark in the New Testament deserted Paul and Barnabas on a mission, so much so that Paul wouldn't go with him again. But he went on to have a successful ministry and write the second gospel. Peter denied Jesus three times, but went on to become the leader of the New Testament church. We've all had our failures in ministry, but every day in God is a new day. Isn't that great? Moses said to the Lord, secondly, his second excuse, pardon your servant, Lord. I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you've spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouth? Moses is saying, I'm not good enough. I'm not as good as others, so let them do it. There are much better preachers than me. You don't have to tell me that. I know that. I'm under no illusions about that. Of course there are. There are much better. You, you, if you're, you're a worship leader, you look and somewhere you'll see someone who's much better worship leader than you are. Or maybe a better musician than you are. Of course, there's always someone better us uh, than what we can do. But you see, God isn't looking for the best. He's looking for the willing. That's so important. He's looking for the willing. 
Let's get over our feelings of inadequacy. In 1 Corinthians 1, it says this, verse 26. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one can boast before him. God chose the foolish things, the weak things, the lowly things, things that are not. One translation renders that things that are nothing. That's not a great CV, is it? <laughs> you wouldn't want to go for a job with that kind of CV. But Paul says, to shame the wise, to shame the strong, to nullify things that are. Because it's not us who's going to bring the fruit, it's God. It's not us who's going to bless it, it's God. It's not us who's going to do great things with what we have, it's God. So that he can have all the glory. Moses made some good excuses, but they were just excuses. The truth was he didn't want to go back to Egypt. Do you realize that when you become a Christian, you confess Jesus and make him your Lord? You're saying, everything I have, Lord, is yours. So let me ask again as I begin to conclude, what's in your hand? What do you have you haven't given to God and used for God yet? What are you hanging on to? My mother, bless her, when she was alive, she, she was regular at going to church until she got um, kind of middle-aged, I'd say, and she stopped going to church. It was just too much bother. And I did all I could to encourage her to go to church. And her answer to me, she must have said hundreds of times, was always the same. If I lived nearer to the church, I'd be there every service. We lived about two miles away, so it meant getting a bus, and then there was about a 20-minute walk when she got off the bus to the church. Well, when all the children grew up and flew the nest, as it were, um, she was rattling around in a big house, and it was a council house, so she asked the council, could she move into a flat? They said, eventually, they said, yes, we've got one just for you. And she took it. And guess what? It was a stone's throw from the church. You could hit the church from the flat, uh, front of the flat with it. And she made the move and lived there till she was uh, too unwell to look after herself and had to go in a nursing home. How many times do you think when she lived in that flat, she went to church? Let me tell you, hardly ever. It was just an excuse. Bless her. I've heard many Christians say, if only I had more time, if only I had more energy, if only my circumstances were different. Let me tell you this, God knows an excuse when he sees one. If it's a valid reason, God knows that too. But God knows an excuse God said to Moses, what's in your hand? It wasn't much, just a staff. But once Moses gave it to God, threw it down before the burning bush, 
it became God's stuff, not his. And look at the blessing people received when others gave their ministries to God. A nation was set free from slavery. A giant was slain. Widow's sons set free from slavery. A, the, a widow and a son survived three years of drought. 5,000 people were fed and so on. What might God accomplish if you use the gifts and ministries God's put in your hands for his glory? Let's pray. Father God, we just want to say thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you're willing to use just ordinary people like us, people who don't deserve to be used at all. But Lord, you want to use us to accomplish your divine purposes. And you put in our hands gifts and ministries and time and uh, opportunities. And Lord, we humbly say thank you. Lord, help us to move in your anointing. Help us to use the gifts that you've given us and the abilities we have. And Lord, will you, we know you will anoint them, bless them as we give them to you and rededicate them to you this day. Father, I pray that you'll just help us, Lord, as your people, to be a serving people. I just want to give you an opportunity, we're all bowed in prayer, just to, maybe there's something you've had on your heart, or a gift of ministry you have, or something you can do for God, to lift the burden off the few that are doing so much, and you've just held back for one reason or another. Why not just have a word with God right now, and say, Lord, I give what I have in my hand to you this morning. Take it, bless it, anoint it, use it for your glory. I give it to you. I will use it from this day on. Father, grant your blessing upon your word to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen.